Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. You see them at intersections with their hand-printed signs, We'll work for food, or please help, I'm hungry. I gotta say, my Christian heart motivates me to empty my wallet right then and there and rush to their rescue. But is that the best way for me to deal with someone in need? This world is filled with people desperate for assistance. How should we respond? Dr. Jennings is here via Skype to enlighten us. Dr. Jennings, what's your take on this very real situation? You really can't help a person. You cannot help a person legitimately uh-huh. if you don't know their circumstances. Uh-huh. All you know is a billboard. Yeah, yeah. You don't know whether this person is a con artist and it's all fraudulent and they're going to go get in their Mercedes and drive away after they pick up $3,000 that day in handouts. Sure. You have no idea what's going on with the person beside the street. I find handing out to people beside the street with signs is not really the way to help people in need. But when we talk about this, before we can really talk about helping people, the question is hand out or hand up. We have to understand God's design for humanity. In Eden, before there was any homelessness, before there was any hunger, there's no death, it's all perfect, it's sinless, God gave Adam and Eve work to do. Mm. They gave them work. Why? Because he created human beings in the image of God. That's how he built us. And God is a creator. He builds the universe. He creates things. He's ingenious. He has built into humanity a desire to be creative, to be industrious, to have ingenuity, to construct, to devise, to to produce. That is part of how he built us. And if we don't exercise those capacities to do meaningful activity, notice how I said meaningful activity, that could be for a paycheck. It does not have to be for a paycheck. A mother who is actively engaged in mothering her children does meaningful activity, and she feels reward and purposeful in doing so, but she may not get a paycheck for it. But if we're not engaged in meaningful activity, then that is damaging to the individual, to the psyche, to the mind. We lose respect for ourselves. We, we feel inadequate. We, we, we feel less capable than other people. So it's very destructive to the well-being of the human person to not be engaged in constructive activity. And so policies and programs that give handouts to otherwise capable people – Okay. rather than giving them opportunity to develop their skills, their abilities, and then engage those abilities in meaningful ways. You see, if you really want to help somebody, you educate them, you train them, you teach them, and you give them opportunity to develop themselves. That is the real help, and it it grows their integrity, their confidence, their self-esteem, their worth, their value as a human being. But if you simply take capable people and just put them on a handout and make them feel like they're not capable, it's very destructive to their sense of well-being. And that's the the real point I want to get. Not do we provide social support for the handicapped. Of course we do. Absolutely. The question is, do we give handouts to the person along the side of the road who is not handicapped and is choosing not to work and instead simply solicit handouts? That's their mechanism of getting an income. The Mm -hmm. Apostle Paul said in 2 Thessalonians regarding those who were capable of work but wouldn't, 2 Thessalonians 3.10, he said, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, this is not cruelty. This is understanding that to just give handouts to the capable person is actually destructive to their character, destructive to their intelligence, destructive to their to their sense of well-being. And what will happen is the person who takes handouts, who is otherwise capable, will feel the guilt, will feel the shame. So what do they do in order to avoid the guilt and shame? They need to justify their need for the handout. So one of two things happens to the people who take handouts that could otherwise provide for themselves. They will either begin having physical or psychiatric symptoms of sickness to justify the fact they're not able to work, or they will identify themselves as some victim class Mm. who has been abused by the system and is deserving of this payment because they're owed it. And this is what you see in society. I see this across the landscape. And so policies designed to help genuinely, and let's be very clear here, I am not speaking of people with genuine disabilities that need our help. I had an aunt who in the 1960s, it was called mental retardation, but she was on government assistance because she could not provide for herself. Mm -hmm. We should provide for people who cannot provide for herself. That's loving and gracious to do. But That is not the same thing as simply providing handouts when other options are available. You know, I've been members of churches through my life that we would help someone in the neighborhood. And I I wondered, how do you vet someone, Dr. Jennings? How would you decide whether that person really can do and just doesn't, or whether that person, for a number of reasons, really can't do and needs help? In the area I live here in Chattanooga, there are several different social support charities in the community Mm -hmm. that have a team that if you need some types of assistance, you come in and you present your situation to them and they actually do some investigation. They might, depending on what the request is, might have them bring their tax filing or pay stubs or bills or something that shows their economic status and what's happened to them. And so, for instance, people have had house fires. Oh, there is an absolute outpouring of resources and finances to help get them back on their feet. That's something that is uh, clearly uh, not somebody trying to skirt the system. A tragedy has happened. So these things are supported. But persons who don't have those things are capable. They will try to hook them up with employers. Uh, Let's get you a job over here. The ones who are actually interested in work are so thankful for the opportunity. Thank you so much. I'm happy to work for my my pay. But you will quickly find when you offer people legitimate work, you will quickly differentiate those who are uh, capable of work and uh, willing to do it from those who are capable and are not interested. They will quickly somehow say no. And I've had people that I know in this community who have had people just like that. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. And they offer them jobs. Don't show up to the first day of work. Wow. Wow.
Well, you have made a very wonderful case here, a very clear case of what we need to do. We need to vet people. And how do we do that on a large scale? Let me give you a case study yeah. about this principle, okay, about this principle of, of how our help can actually harm even though we're compassionate. Yeah. Years ago, I was uh, doing inpatient consultation laser and psychiatry work, and I was consulted to see a woman on a dialysis unit. And the reason I was consulted to see her, she was 68 years old, suffering from a renal failure, a serious medical condition, getting a dialysis three times a week. But she had regressed to the point she didn't get out of bed anymore, was barely eating. And the doctors were concerned that she'd given up on life. Mm. And when I entered her room to do the initial consult, her room was filled with loving, concerned, attentive family members, must have been four, five, six, seven of them in the room, all attending and watching over her. And after my assessment of this nice lady, I transferred her to the psychiatric ward, not because she was psychiatrically unstable in her room, but to remove the family from her mm. presence. And within 30 minutes of being on the psychiatric ward, the nurse call light went off and I happened to be on the ward. So I walked in with the nurse. And imagine now you're you're a compassionate person. Here is this lady with real medical illness, serious illness, and she says with a quivering, wavering, weak voice to the nurse, will you put my glasses on my face? Hmm. Now, what is a compassionate, concerned person? What, what would a family member do for another family member, yeah, right? What are you going to do? Put the glasses on the face. Yeah, except let me give you one point. You, if you were in the room, you could observe it. She had to reach over her glasses to push the nurse call light. <laughs> okay, okay. What does that inform you of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was capable of putting on her own glasses. They were not out of reach. Why didn't she do it? Something had happened along the way with her illness that overly attentive and overly well-meaning people who love her and want to help were doing more for her than she needed done for her. And so I instructed the nursing staff not to do one thing more for her that she was capable of doing for herself. Only do those things for her that she was not actually capable of doing. Within the week, this woman was up helping set the tables, helping clear the tables in the cafeteria, cleaning her room, doing all kinds. She had, she had serious medical illnesses. But she still, with those illnesses, had ability to do some things. And because she wasn't doing anything, she lost all sense of purpose. Now that she was able to still contribute, she was more cheerful and joyful, and she was smiling, and her mood was returning. This is the principle I'm trying to teach people. I think that's the principle God uses with us. He expects us to, to pull our weight. Even his promises have conditions. Am I right in saying that? That's exactly right. And it's because the law of exertion. Yeah. We cannot grow if we don't exercise. So it says in Hebrews 5.14 that the mature are those who developed by practice the ability to discern the right from the wrong. God wants us to reason, to think, to weigh evidence, to make choices. And it's in those processes that we mature and become discerning friends of God who are able to discern the right from the wrong and make those healthy choices. Sounds like I hear you telling us that we really need to stay proactive in our own lives and serving ourselves and, and doing for ourselves. That's an essential part of living. Am I right? That is exactly right. And so the idea, though, of helping others, we want to help others, yeah. but it requires that we have to get to know others. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it's easier when you see the sign along the street to throw $5 out and yeah. just keep rolling yeah. Yeah. Than, to, than if you really want to help that person, if we really do. And let's face it, we're finite beings. No one of us has the time to help every person in our own little communities that has legitimate need. True. We don't have the money. We don't have the time for us individually to help every—in my own community here, I couldn't do it. I don't have the time for it.
And so we have to budget our resources and budget our time like we budget everything else and prioritize that. And there will be people in our communities that we personally are not going to help. That doesn't make us selfish or hard-hearted. But sometimes we just throw the money out because it's easier than to not throw the money out because we know we don't have the time. But if we're really going to help an individual, the real help is not throwing the $5 at them at the corner. It is taking time to get to know them and helping them become self-sufficient. In the last 90 seconds of the program, are you saying that possibly this should be the function of organized religion of the local church? They become the outreach that we don't have time to do personally? It would be an interesting if a church would organize, and the organization of the church was not simply to have Sunday school classes or Sabbath school classes, whichever mm-hmm. day they go to church on, yeah. or to have sermons to come here. But the church actually organized in teams, and the teams were focused on reaching out to the community and finding people in need and helping those people in need. That would be really interesting. All right, so Dr. Jennings, I like what you're saying here, and it gives me a lot of encouragement to know that not only can I help myself, give myself help instead of a handout, and that's to increase my abilities and my skill level and my desires to to be of service to others. But we can also organize in church organizations, a local church structure, and become that outreach that we can't do individually. That's good news, and I, I thank you for sharing that with us today. And I think there are many churches that are doing that, Charles. I think so too, absolutely. All right, listener, we have a website, comeandreason.com. Visit there, enjoy the resources that Dr. Jennings and his team has made available, books and podcasts and, and blogs and television programs, lots of good things, articles to read, Come and Reason. Dr. Jennings, thank you. Always a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Charles. And until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Come and reason.